two weeks in a row. All sorts of news. Oh, snap. Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm, I'm so ahead of myself. We have to do an intro and then we do the news. Okay, we got a lot of news. And okay. then that's the intro. That's not the intro. First we banter. I'm J. Jonah Jameson. And Uncanny Spider-Man is a menace. <laughs> Good gravy. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm hyped. <laughs> But his name is Justin, yeah, in case right, you're new sure, here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So there's a lot of news, huh? There's a lot of news. There's a decent amount of comics. There's an episode, and there's you and me. That's it. That's what we do around together, these parts. Mix it up in a jambalaya. A jambalaya. All right. Well, before we a get gumbo. into... Okay, Gambit. Yeah. Before we get into all the news and all the comics and all the things, let's go over what comics we're going to be talking about today. So we've got Marvel Voices, the Infinity Comic, number 48. Love Unlimited, also an Infinity Comic, number 45. And our last Infinity Comic is X-Men Unlimited, number 82. For those tangible books, we've got... What? What are you laughing? What do you mean? What? Um, <laughs> it was just how much you enjoyed tangible. I that just made me laugh. Yeah, I do. I enjoy the word tangible. Yeah. All right. Anyway, tangible books. X-23 Deadly Regenesis, number two. Captain Marvel, number 48. X-Men, number 21. And Storm and the Brotherhood, number three. Wow. So many tangible books. You're very rude right now. Can I tangent them right now? I have digital. Must be good for you over here. Well, I'm going to touch these books. I'm going to smell them. No, they're my books. I bought them and now I... They're our books. Exactly. We're married. Do you know that's a piece of information, but it's time for the news. The news. (laughs) That was quite a segue. (laughs) News, news, news. Knock it on you, news. 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 If this is any signal of like what the rest of the podcast is going to be like, I'm quite interested. Let's go. Tell me the news. Fall of X. Yikes. Marvel lined up uh, another triple announcement for your Friday morning afternoon. They they started a little early, 11, 12, and 1. Oh. Each title coming out with some more info and a cover reveal. So three more titles from our Fall of X lineup. I intentionally... Did not read. I saw all the covers, but I intentionally did not read the descriptions or the solicits because I like having something to live react to during the podcast. Boom. So I was like, I don't want to know anything until Justin reads them to me. Well, get ready to like this. I'm ready. Children of the Vault was our first one at 11 EST. Mm-hmm. And these are just, I, I take pieces of information and that's what I go with. There's <laughs> more if you want to look for it on Marvel.com. But... The children of the fall are back. They are determined to be humanity's salvation, but not everything is as it seems. And every utopia has its costs. What is the motivation behind these highly evolved beings gifting the world with their advanced technology? And how do Bishop and a now Orcus-captured Cable figure into their plans? Denise Camp and Luca Maresca new x-men limited series children of the vault launches in august whoa three children and our time travelers on the cover yikes 
Orcus captured Cable. She, right. Spoiler alert. Or setup alert. Crazy. What does that happen in the at the gala? What does that happen? I don't know, but we do know the gala's gonna be nuts. It's just every every one is so upsetting. Every every <laughs> detail is like, oh, and because all the X Men are dead, or everybody's sad now, or whatever it is, it's just unclear as to what what time of life are we in here. Well, we'll know when we know. Because the children of the vault are the big bad, or at least one of you know they're not the phalanx, but they're they're a big bad of our Krakoan age yes, for sure. Yes. What's next? Any any thoughts? Any reactions on children of the vault? Any. You love the children of the vault. I'm schmedium on them. Schmedium on them. Why? What? Because it's just like, oh, it's like one of those time things. It's like time <laughs> works different in the vault. And I'm like, all right, cool. I don't care. So, I don't so know. They're, they're able to hyper evolve in the vault separate from the mutants and human and machine struggle. And they kind of are a post humanity. Yeah. And so they, they're like this wild card. And you're like, that's fine. They're a card. But you like, the, <laughs> did you like the vault issues? Like X-Men, the vault issues by Hickman? Back in the vault when we were in the vault, remember from Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> they were fine. Oh, what? Fine? Those are some of his best issues. I barely remember them. Wow. <sighs> I'm so sorry because I know you love the children of the vault. I love those issues and I do really enjoy the children of the vault as a concept. And maybe that's worth some extra visiting what's next it's the og alpha flight canada's premier super team will reassemble to navigate the dark times that have befallen mutant kind with major players on both sides of the war ed brisson and scott godlewski launch a new alpha flight limited series this august mutant kind's actions have put canada on the offense and in addition of crafting a new line of sentinels, they'll assign a government-sponsored team with de-escalating the mutant conflict by any means necessary. But a second Alpha Flight team joins the fight, striking from the shadow. More secrets and conspiracies are revealed as classic Alpha Flight members and new faces alike become major players on both sides of the war that will define mutant kind. You said the war twice. The war the that's Genesis the, War. Honestly, or, that's or, the thing that stood out to me the most. The war? I don't really know a lot about Alpha Flight. Like, I know that they're, they're a thing. They're, they're a Canadian team. And, and they, they've made appearances here you and know, there. North Star. Yeah. And Aurora. Yes. They're Alpha Flight. They're in the shadows behind. You've seen the image, right? Yes. They're in the shadows behind with Fang, Akiro. Mm-hmm. Hanging back there. Nemesis. The woman on the left. Do I know her? Nope. Okay. Neither did I. <laughs> I. I'll be honest. I've only read a handful of Alpha Flight, like classic issues, and a handful of uh, more recent reboot, just for kicks. And I have the action figures. And I think that might have been why. And I think I had like a random $1 issue of a relaunch series. But yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued by... The war. Like, yeah, the war. <laughs> and Canada like, has Sentinels now. Yeah, that's messed up. I'm I'm just intrigued by like what's happening to cause this because so far we haven't had a lot of I don't know these like OG teams being teams and we haven't had a lot of interaction with 
outside forces, outside teams, mm-hmm. outside of a crossover. So for it to be a major player in the fall of X, like that's just interesting to me. It feels like, you know, clearly the there's, stuff is hitting the fan. There's and a division of sorts. There's a division and we're getting this like ramifications of the whole within the whole world and not just in Krakoa but right. it's interesting when you look at the titles overall that there are so many non-X titles in like there's the Iron you, Man there's the Spider-Man there's you Alpha consider Flight. Alpha Flight a non-X title I don't know right, I right, guess right. this is like made up of non-mutants right it's like no, they're, it would, mu- they're mutants all of them are mutants most often, yes. Most. Oh, I thought that Alpha Flight was like kind They're of like Canada's the Avengers. I, I thought they were like the Avengers where it was like some of them are mutants sometimes, but they're not. Most historically, they're the mutant team of Canada. Okay. Well, then that's makes more sense. But it was interesting to think of, do you see them more as fighting for the mutant cause or fighting as Canada's Avengers? Because that's kind of how they operate. They're less so feared and hated mm. fighting the oppression of the public eye and more so fight for Canada. Yeah. All right. Well, Pastry Jordan said that if the Sentinels don't look like Mountie mechs, then that's I'm out. Yeah. You know, out and I, I was. They need mounty hats, or I'm not subscribing. That, that's exactly what I said. Like having a little mounty hat on the robots, and they're red with the little leaves on them. Oh God! I'm Canadian. I can say these things, right? I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? What's the third one? Uncanny Spider-Man. Like my reaction to this, I I didn't know how to process it because when I first saw it, when I first saw this image. I thought that this was wall crawler. Me too. And it's just as darkness overwhelms mutant kind. Another ominous just statement. Like, right. You're everything's ruined. Your life is over. Nightcrawler embraces a new role as a classic New York City bamfing hero. What? For real. I thought this was wall crawler at first, but it's Nightcrawler in a cosplay uniform. Like, I can't. What? Cy, Cy Spurrier and Lee Garbett have Uncanny Spider-Man out this September. Escaping the turmoil of Fall of X in a flash of smoke and brimstone, it's time for Nightcrawler to play the swashbuckling, devil-may-care hero he was always destined to be. A potential new lover, battling some of the most iconic members of Spidey's rogues gallery and saving civilians, mutant and human alike. Kurt is having the time of his life, but it's not all fun and games. Nightcrawler will also be a lone soldier on the front lines of mutant kind's upcoming war with Orcus. Throughout the saga, he'll also confront a long-simmering mystery surrounding his mother, Mystique, as Spurrier's bold transformation of the character approaches a startling climax. I, I don't know how to process this. Nightcrawler is no, Spider-Man, but that's, kind of. But no. That's what it is. No. And it's the it's funny because Nightcrawler is a, a circus performer, right? And the astonishing X Men, he was a, a performer in X Men Universe. Okay. I don't know. It's just it's just his vibe. It's just always him being the original Nightcrawler miniseries, which is this is basically a Nightcrawler miniseries, but having Spider Man snuck in so that it gets more eyes on it. But why is he pretending to be Spider Man? I don't understand. That's 
part of the mystery and or confusion. Where the heck is Peter? Where's Ben? What's happening? I thought it was going to be Ben. I figured with all the Dark X-Men off doing their limbo things or dark things, I don't know. What's Ben doing? Is he still at Shea New York limbo? He's crying in a corner. Right. Occasionally visited by Peter or not because Nightcrawler. Where's Peter? Where's Miles? Where's Miles? Yeah, what? I don't like, I don't think I like it. If it was just a, just a Nightcrawler out on his own, living his best life. That's kind of what it is. But why? But but, with a twist of, hey, he's also being a Spider-Man character. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't like it. What about it? That he's not Spider-Man. I don't think he's trying to be Spider-Man. What do you mean? (laughs) He says Spider-Man. The Night Spider. He is trying to be Spider-Man. He's wavering. 100%. Did you, you saw the cover, right? You just two seconds ago said he's not trying to be Spider-Man. He, he's trying to adopt the mantle of Spider-Man as part of... There are plenty of Spider-People. Oh, we yeah. We don't need Nightcrawler sure. to do this. I, I'm reading the Spider-Man mini kind of sometimes unknown. I don't... I just... I don't care for the choice. I'll, of course, read it and maybe my mind will be changed. But right now I'm like... Why? I have a grumpy puss on my face, huh. and I'm like a like if this comic was a kid on my lawn, I'd say, "Hey, kid, get off my lawn!" Stop it! Knock it off! <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested in it. Obviously, I have to be because it's Nightcrawler and Spider-Man. Yeah, literally your two favorite things. Right. So, yeah, and it's a idea that is outside of not really actually historically outside of the normal superheroes reinvented themselves all the time by stealing other superheroes identities sure sometimes they would you know like how many different people were ronin or people have impersonated iron man or there are times where you adopt a persona other than yourself and i thought that it might you know it does the solicitation text does talk to him fighting the front lines of mutant kind's battle but I thought initially that it was him laying low from what's going on between him and Orcus, between the mutants and Orcus. But well, I don't know. It is very interesting of why he would assemble, why he would choose that new direction. His, his tail is in costume too. His ears yeah, are in costume. That's what I'm saying. Like I thought it was something else. Someone on Marvel asked, "How how does that happen?" I said, uh, "Unstable molecules for their win. You know, <laughs> they're just always adapting to the the tail, the ears, the toes, and it's comfy. It's good. Uh, we'll see. All right. So I, I I put a poll. A poll. I got a, I got a couple polls. Oh, I, been, geez, I'm Louise. going poll crazy a little bit. I like. He it. loves the polls. I, I do. I do. It's like I get to ask people where they're at, and we get an aggregate, and it's very minimal effort on my part. I just <laughs> I, I have an idea. Three options, maybe. I don't know. And boom. Which one are you most excited for? Personally, you, Alicia, which one are you most excited for? Of these three? Yeah. None. (laughs) None. Yeah, right. You this was a very lukewarm reaction conversation. I guess Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. Really? Yeah. Children of the Vault not doing anything for you. One of the described as one of the biggest threats to mutant kind. I'm okay without it. All right. <laughs> well, 48% went for Children of the Vault. That was their choice as most exciting. 35 said Uncanny Spider-Man. 
And 17 said Alpha Flight. Yeah, let's go. 17%. And I, I am torn between the vault and Spider-Man because I just, yeah, do something cool with Nightcrawler. Give him something else to mess around with. And if it's got a good reason, it's I'm sure. just so confused by it. I just yeah. feel so baffled by it in I, not a good way. I, oh, I, I, I like the unknown i like the curiosity i like the yeah it's it's smashing two ideas together to try and make something new we'll see if it works and we'll see if it's not too heady because it is size barrier and yeah that's <laughs> a lot it's a lot right let's talk there. about the religion of being no, a spider person and I can't. and kurt I'll will just help close it and just go back to how the podcast started where you can read it and tell me about it <laughs> the spider spark ew the spider spark <laughs> There are two other covers that I want to call out and a bunch of other like preview stuff, the you know, pages and covers. But the two that I wanted to call out were Immortal X-Men number 14. To me, my no one witnessed the X-Men's founder at his lowest. Xavier had a dream. Now he has nothing. He fell. He <laughs> fell furthest. <laughs> Die, once, <Charles. laughs> once depicting the shady backstabbing and clever power plays of Krakoa's leaders, Immortal X-Men number 14 shows the Quiet Council has been reduced to a single member. Damn. Ew, a single member? Right. Ew. What? Ew. <laughs> Just old Charles? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were so excited and then you were upset because you thought that he was dying and I was like, where did everybody else go? Uh, what happened to everybody we else? We were talking about this on Patreon the other night and... I just like the second I so so y'all probably know this but obviously Justin runs the Instagram and so sometimes I'll just be on my phone on my personal Instagram and I'll scroll past something that the podcast has posted and I saw that image and I just laughed out loud and I said die Charles and like (laughs) Justin from the kitchen like knew exactly what I was referencing I don't know I just but now that you actually hear the solicitation text and it's, you know that he is not. Well, it's interesting because it is it is talking about his downfall. And I think like it, I, I have mixed feelings. Obviously, I know that Charles Xavier is a staple of X-Men history and he's very important to the franchise and to the universe and to many people, just not me. But when you think about Krakoa, like in the last year, he really hasn't played a major role like he's just been in the background crying about how it's not the way he wanted it to be and so it makes sense to me that he wouldn't be like the forefront of it anymore because he's not it's really about this new way that the mutants have established themselves and cared for themselves and all these things so that's interesting it's just interesting to me but then I guess it also plays into like my version of fandom and how I came into the comics and I came in in this in this society where it wasn't Charles Xavier's school and Charles was the head yeah. honcho you know what I mean and it so was everybody it was everybody so every time for me it goes back to it's oh like fall of X and Charles is so sad I'm like what about everyone else yeah. like where's the rest of the council going you know or like how does all the rest of mutantdom feel about all of this that's happening like my interest really lies in how it affects them as a whole and not how it affects one person we've never really had a spot check on what the krakoan populace think of the council right Right. well other than mole 
and the the whisper campaign. I don't know. Cyclops doesn't like them. Sure. Yeah. He often he, like refer, he says well, something that was this week issue. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like they shoot down his ideas is basically what it is. And he had been asked to be on the council, but he didn't want to because he wanted to lead the X Men. Right. It just it, it's. Almost, I feel like there's kind of like a general disdain for the council. Hmm. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? It's almost like he regrets not having taken that spot on the council. The same as Gene, but not being vocal about it. Mm. Uh, comic extracts had. Uh, asked about the concept of designated survivor like mm. in a government structure when something were to happen they escort someone important out so that they survive and that if everyone else were to fall your eyes are so squinting <sighs> and he asked what if there was one such person during the gala which mutant would you keep away and how would that play out and i didn't say which one i would want i just said by that cover this cover came out a couple of days ago that just felt like Charles is the one who was saved for whatever reason. I've never seen so little of your eyes before. <laughs> You've never squinted that hard. I'm just, I'm trying to think, I don't know. In a situation where there, I don't think there is one mutant who is above all the other mutants. So it's a difficult question for me to answer. My immediate answer in my mind when we're thinking of the council was Emma because I always choose Emma. But it's like, but that's um, yeah. But but I understand in terms of X Men history why it would be Charles. So I think it's less about the character and fan reaction, more about the power in the government structure. And I, I'd say that there is an argument for Emma entirely. She's got mad connections. She's got a lot of connections. She's embedded in the UN with the Hellfire club the hellfire trading company that as the arm the public facing arm and export business but you know that all depends on how much of the resurrection or krakoan export is shut down well that yeah and that's the thing is like i mean emma could run cerebro the same as charles sure and it's not like charles is the five so right I mean, I feel like the five are the people that you save. Right. That's or the, hope in this situation. You that know? was my first thought when I read the question was, but what do you do with hope if the other five or the other four are gone or the library of data from Sinister is gone or the Cerebro unit? I mean, apparently hope can use the Cerebro. So there's that. That's, that's a lie. And, but, it's, and we'll, but it's canon. We'll confront that if we ever try. <laughs> the, the last thing was X-Men Red. Oh. X-Men Red 14. Tell me about that. It hints that Apocalypse's long-awaited return (laughs) from Amenth may make matters far, far worse. Of course. As the Brotherhood reel from the cataclysmic events of the Hellfire Gala, Genesis takes advantage of the chaos and declares war. Another war? Another war. Two vast mutant armies clash, and Arako's idols fall. Oh, God. But... This is only the beginning of a conflict that will remake the Red Planet. And whatever happened to Iska the Unbeaten? Ooh. It's a Whatever did happen to Iska? Right? It's a dope lineup and just exciting. I mean, I'm Ask me again. What am I most excited about of all this information? (laughs) Sure, right. X Men Red. Yeah, okay. They weren't in the poll. But. Rude. How dare you? But they are that this was the Fall of X version, the Fall of X issue, 
It's just war coming from all sides. It's chaos. It's war from Orcus and it's war from Amenth, which is weird because that was prophesied to be the thing that balanced. Is it because you're not strong? Who knows? It's because you only saved Charles. <laughs> I mean, the last thing news-wise, Marvels. The Marvels. The Marvels. The movie. MCU. So excited. You watched it? The trailer? Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm really excited. I think this like... You know, we got a little bit of a glimpse of it from watching Miss Marvel, the TV show, the end credit scene where um, Carol and her kind of like switch places or Carol ends up in her room. But I think this like idea that somehow their powers are intertwined, like and that's cool. And every time they use it, they seem to switch. Yeah, because you, you think like, okay, Carol is she's like the strongest one, right? Like Mm -hmm. we taught, there's like the, okay, Wanda's the strongest Avenger, but like Carol all comes pretty close or Carol is just as strong. You know, you think about like her fighting Thanos or like all of those things outside of the comics, obviously, because there's only so much I know about her from comics, but MCU wise, she's not going to need, she's not like a, let me gather a team kind of hero. Like even in, the movies like Infinity War and in Endgame, like when you see her in those big movies, she just like pops in for a saccharoonie and then beeps away. Like I got she's other not, stuff. The universe is big. Right. Yeah. She's fighting in space. She's not like, a, oh, let me come back to Earth and build a team. And so this reasoning for her to be with these people and know that like if they accidentally switch places with her, they're going to have to fight the people she fights. So she's going to need to train them to be mm. on that so level, you know, like forced to be on a team. Right. She's like forced to mentor these people. And I'm just like, I'm excited to see Monica Rambeau again and like see where she's going to go. I really love Kamala. Kamala. is ridiculous like, in the trailer. Yeah. I just thought the trailer was so good. Just the Kamala as a, as an entity, like as a character, I really like her and I like the way that, She's a Carol Danvers fangirl, you yeah. know? And like yeah. then when when Nick Fury like shows up on her doorstep in the trailer and she's like, You're Nick Fury and then she's like so excited to like show her powers and like I just think it's gonna be really awesome action and really powerful and also funny and it just like it's another one of those things that makes me really happy that it'll be a good movie because it's a good movie. And it just happens to have all women, you know, mm. like I just I, I, I'm excited to like Bechdel test this movie because I bet <laughs> there's not going to be any like, well, I mean, they might talk about Nick Fury or whatever, but there's not going to be like romance conversations left and right. And like yeah. a woman led movie that's about trying to find a man like this. And the main villain isn't even a guy like the main villain is also a girl. So right. I'm just. I, I don't know. I know I think, I've I think seen... the trailer passes the Bechdel test. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> I I have seen, like, some things on the internet of people being, like, upset that they changed the gender of the villain. I think in the comics, they are a man. And so there's been a little, like... Who, I don't know who the villain is. I've only watched the trailer. Um, You've been watching TikToks. Yeah, I watch a lot of TikToks. I don't remember the villain's name, honestly. I just know that there's this one girl that I follow on TikTok who I love, and she did a whole video about how the the character who is the villain is generally a, a man in the comics and that people were getting upset. And then she was bringing up the point of saying, 
well, if it was a man and it was these three women against this man, then you would be upset that it's like a feminist propaganda movie, you know. So that's a whole nother, we could go down a whole nother <laughs> rabbit hole of that. But I'm excited. I really like the Captain Marvel. I really like Monica Rambeau in WandaVision. I loved Miss Marvel. And so like having them all come yeah. together and just like, I don't know. I just love Nick Fury. I just love that he's always in everything. It's like Nick Fury is the thread, you know? It, it kind of spoils Secret Invasion or or at least downplays the danger of Secret Invasion that comes out before the movie as Nick Fury is fine in the space station. Is he or is that a scroll version of sure, Nick Fury Sure, that's what I said again, when I was talking to know? a couple of people that he could be a scroll impersonating him, but still, it's just funny. The poll this week. Oh, the poll. Three entries into the poll. The Storm and the Bros. X-Men, and Captain Marvel. Please. Storm of the Brotherhood wins the poll. By? 72%. 55. That is rude. That's way off. Number two. Number two is X-Men. By? 48%. 37. Dang. I I should just trust my gut, but my gut was so wrong the first time. And then Captain Marvel comes in last. 8%. Yeah. Do you agree? Do you enjoy... Are you excited? Yeah, I agree. All right. I, I liked these comics. We got a bunch of Infinity Comics before. Yeah, let's talk about them. Let's do some quick quick cuts on Infinity Comics. Marvel Voices. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. She disappears outside of realities, both her and the Godhead version of her. Because she dead. She's or dead. she's on her way to being dead. She's unwriting things. Is a lot of reality warping because... Wanda comes in to give her some counsel. To yeah. Talk and her she's through. like, yo, yeah, Wanda, listen, I don't really want to be a reality warper. And Wanda's like, yeah, tough cookies. That's it. And, you know, they have this little back and forth about, you know, does does Ellie want to be like Wanda? Does she want to be remembered the way Wanda's remembered? You know, Wanda, and then and they talk about like Wanda's uh, redemption and her transition and... Right. And Ellie ends up being like dropped in the middle of her potential future girlfriend's war machine situation. Yeah. Right. And they're kind of like put face to face and like, ooh, what's going to happen? We don't know. But we're gonna find out. I like the moment when like Ellie pops in and and uh, the girl whose name is escaping me right Yuki. now. Yes, Yuki goes like, "Well, you're either like the girl who blew up because of the the giant monster, or you're the giant monster because you're pretty much the same yeah, yeah. face." Right. So, but both of you had the same face because I think both you're both because you're both of them. And the TVA is on that as well. The fact that you're both of them and you're causing a lot of damage. They're here to tell you, cut it out. Yeah, they're back and they're like, get, get out of here. Cut, surrender yourself to me. I love this end image as Ellie is just ready for destruction. Yeah. And to stop the TVA. It's written by Andrew Wheeler. Art by Eleanor Carlini. Colorist, Brittany Peer. Letters, Josebino. BC's Josebino. And then we've got... Love Unlimited, which is a giant date. Well, but it's not a date yet. It, Justin. Well, it was the it was the meet cute. It was the after yeah party. we we did a meet cute. Now we're getting burgers and nachos and we're 
chit-chatting and and i mean i think you know it's a lot of great sharing and understanding that oh i was obsessed with you and i was in my comics reading and and who are you the powers and who are you gwenpool and then the one questionable bit where gwen fabricates her backstory with her reality warping powers and that's the part that i feel like if you're gonna pull something away it's like what, what was this or what what came from this i feel like that's the questionable part you mean because she just pops into the internet and gives herself a a high school degree and an enrollment in college and yeah then... she fabricates her backstory and mm-hmm. lies about who she is to further her romance story well okay I feel like that's here's the... the thing everything else was just like here's oh yeah you're thing, cute Justin. i like you this thing did she lie about who she is or did she change who she is? Right. You know? Sure. And that's the ethics or, or question of how her power works. Because now she warped reality into her having that So she that actually education. does so go to that. So she knows that stuff. D- does that give you the education? I I'm curious. No. Because if it does, I, I want reality warping. Why don't that's you my pop into a void and see if Wanda shows up? She seems to do that. <laughs> According to writer Jeremy Whitley. No, that was last issue, right? That was Andrew. Yes. Written by Jeremy Whitley. Art by Bailey Rosenlund. Colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. Letters Ariana Maher. V.C.'s. Ariana Maher. Mm. And now for our final Infinity comic. Mojo Trouble. X-Men Unlimited. With the unofficial X-Men Part 3. Yeah. Here's my takeaway. Is that. In this, they're like, okay, Mojo has tried multiple times to get the X-Men to be the stars of his show, to get the X-Men to be what he wants them to be, but they always kind of thwart him or they're not quite the right fit. And so they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take misfits among misfits because those are the real X-Men. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of mean. They are really hated and feared because they're the minorities of the minorities. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of mean, Mojo. But also is a social criticism, which is Mojo. That That's right. his thing, is that he's going to call things and make it ridiculous as a supervillain. And and the fact that he has already filmed 10,000 or, or yeah, uh, so good many. Yeah, good thing because I filmed a million episodes already. Right. And then they're exhausted. And surprise, one of you can die here because these are not TV fights. These are real fights right. that we put on TV. And, and you say that you don't want to do it. Well, that's great. But these hostages are real and will die if you don't save right. them. Right. So sorry, but sorry. you gotta. And then what? Face Swapper? Yeah. They get sliced up. And not up. that I'm like upset uh, not upset that they die but like it's good for me because i keep getting confused i'm like why is laura in this comic what's going on right well the face swapper that's their ability yeah they always choose laura though right i mean wouldn't you apparently obviously or magic magic, maybe emma sometimes kate i would have a rotation sure right is that the power you want (gasps) can i do a side side note can i do a side note okay side notes I received a package today that I'm really excited about. So I just want to shout out to Uncanny Toys for my kitty pride statue. She's flying away from a sentinel head, holding on to Lockheed. She's so freaking cute. I'm going to post a video of me opening it and then maybe some special photos coming soon. Uh, But it was... um, a friend of mine, a fellow kitty cosplayer, 
had won it in a um, the giveaway that Uncanny Toys was doing. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to get it shipped to her because of where she lives. So she donated her prize to me, which is like pop, pop. literally the sweetest thing ever. And it is so adorable. And I am... So shout out to Gilly too. Yes, right? yes. I, I assume. Yes. And Kitty, Kitty cosplayer that you're friends with. I, I think I know. Yes, A couple yes. of them, but... Yeah. So Uncanny Toys and Gilly Cosplay, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. I'm so excited. Two statues I have now. And that's enough. On to... For now. (laughs) How about those tangible books? Oh, we get in the tangies? Don't say it like that. (laughs) X-23, Deadly Regenesis number two. Who who is the haymaker? (sighs) Who is this person? I don't know. That's that's what the title of this is. Who is the haymaker? We'll find out. Because they're squaring off with that classic title pop out on the cover. It's like, good. Who the hell? Who the f is this person? Yo, who the f is this? Hamilton reference. Boom. Yeah. Well, let's dig in, shall we? Yeah. Page turn noise. So we we kicking it straight off with the title page. We get our previously, and then we're told the title, The Past Haunts Us All, Part 2. Written by Erica Schultz, art by Edgar Salazar, colors Carlos Lopez, letters Corey Petit. it's Corey Petit. Kalman Andrasovsky on the cover art. Lovely. Let's dive into that story. Who is the haymaker? Well, Jordan is the haymaker, and they're getting a training sequence as we hear the inside scoop of the money troubles that the family is facing. Yeah. You gotta pay for Jordan to train, but we can't pay. But then all of a sudden, we can pay because here's a giant wad of cash. Yeah, from some shady business. The gym owner is like, to to Jordan's brother, "Uh, where'd you get this money? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, and I like that the gym owner is like, listen, you need to pay me. Like, I, I'm, I've been letting this slide, but like, you need to pay me. And he's like, putting his foot down, like, you got to pay me my money. And then the kid's like, here's a giant wad of cash. And he's like, mm, I don't trust it. I don't, I don't think like I want to take this money. I'm concerned about where you got it. Well, Jordan's feeling the same thing, too, after they're talking about it, because their brother, Drew is revealing details about where the money's coming from. Right. Frankie Fear. I'm going to be doing business basically for the kingpin. Whatever, you know, just some money, just some good things. Don't worry about it, okay, bro? Honestly, the entire time, I was like, who is Drew? I mean, who is Haymaker? Sure. But I I forgot that this was Uh, Jordan's brother. brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... They're going to have a lot of money in the future. And And... Yeah, that's essentially the argument that Drew is making to Jordan. It's like, don't worry about this. Like, I'm going to be able to do this now because then you're going to be famous and you're going to make all this money and we're not going to have to worry about this at all right. ever again. It's just this one-time thing. I'm not even going to be out on the streets. I'm just going to be in the warehouse. I'm definitely not going to die immediately after immediately this conversation. Immediately after this conversation. But we go into the future, into the here and now, which is not actually in the future or in the here and now. It's in the past, but not as far past as we were just... We're, we're bouncing <laughs> all over the timeline. We're going Jordan's past. We're going 
uh, Laura's past. Laura's and, present. And and Laura and Jordan's present. Which is actually, the, what I was getting tripped up with is that it's not currently the present because this is a flashback series. No, but this is now they're and they're present. fighting and then, oh, you. Not Kirkoan present. Oh, is what geez, I, Yeah, Louise. right. That's why I was That's getting twisted. That's too high level right now, Justin. Let's Ooh. just talk about this one book. Okay? Yeah. It's fight night in the streets. As Laura's healing factor is offline. She knows it's offline and she's like, all right, what did you spray me with? P.S. We're also getting flashbacks to her and her training and her manipulation. Yeah, Kimura's manipulating and handling her through the business that she needs to do for the facility. I really do like these squaring off shots. The, the top one initially mm-hmm. where you see Laura and then you get the detail of everyone watching on their cell phone, the right. drone recording. Everything is being recorded and Haymaker is basically like, I've been waiting forever to do this. Yeah. And they have no interest in being kind to the people around them as they hit down this light pole <laughs> and almost takes out these bystanders that were filming. But Laura, obviously the hero, the reluctant hero, classic Wolverines, Comes in and slices through. Mm-hmm. And we get a little perspective shift with Kimura watching on. I do like the the side-by-side fights of seeing Kimura and X-23. Like trained back. Like training, yeah. It's like the flashback. I could picture it in a cinematic sense of like this might be playing in her head. Right. While she's going through this fight. Or even Kimura's head. Right. Because this is... Laura doesn't know that Kimura is involved at this point, I don't believe. That's true. This is her, Kimura, replaying this as confidence over her ability to take down X-23. Right. And and just the sepia tone on the panels that are the flashback of her memories. Right. And the way she says, you say you can, or someone else says, you say you can control X-23. But what about this haymaker? Jordan's a cakewalk. Don't worry. If I can keep X-23 down, I can keep anyone down. Uh, you know you're not going to keep X-23 down, lady. Get but, over it. But Jordan actually is able to keep her down. Well, as... okay. He has the assistance of taking away her healing factor and then straight up stabs her in the stomach. I mean, yeah. This is this is serious. This isn't games. This isn't slicing robots. This is trying I'm to take her out. I'm going to stab you in the stomach. Throw you into a car. I'm going to punch you in the face. And then you're going to flash back because you've lost consciousness a little bit. Or maybe I'm flashing back to the moment where I saw that you killed my brother. That's what's happening. It's a shared memory that we're telling together while we fight. It's interesting, right, that you brought up the sepia, sepia tone yeah. of, of the that art. And then how this art, the flashbacks washed, of red. Jordan is yeah. like red. Like, you know that expression you're seeing red? Like, this is all they see. Like, the anger, the anguish, the need for revenge. They're blinded by this idea that... X-23 killed their brother and they can't see past that. Yeah. So that that's what's that's fueling the r- fight. Right. That's the part that Kimura, if I shouldn't be worried, if Jordan's not worried, who knows if Jordan can even keep their stuff in control in this fight because right. of all this flashback. It's kind of crazy. Because the, the fight is controlled. Jordan takes Laura down completely mm-hmm. in the here and now, throws her in a truck, a trunk bed, and gasses her so she passes out. And so that she can't heal while she's in the trunk. That's the same gas that they used in the last issue. So it's like, I'm not messing around. I'm not going to throw you in this trunk and then let my 
stuff wear off of you and then by the time you wake up and we get to the facility you're all healed and you pop out of this car and you take me down right because she even has adamantium cuffs blocking her claws in yes did they get the toe claw that's the big question right did you know about the toe claw had to have doesn't look like it her feet are free and we get yet another flashback because this is not laura's first time in a trunk not not the first time I stabbed someone through a car seat. Maybe we'll get some more. Who are these people? We don't know. They're just... Just some bros. Ready because it's payday, y'all. Got some drugs and or money or something. You can celebrate a little, right? Snicked. Not so much, through my friend. Yeah, you know, this was great because it just gives us the character of the title character, the, the title person. And we want more of that. That that's what this story is for. Yes, and and we end with Laura being face to face with her old rival, and we, you know, we're promised ready ready to live up to your potential. And we're promised a reckoning next. I still have mixed feelings about this book. Yeah, because. I understand, like, you know, you even said it, like, doing what wolverines do or whatever. Like, I understand that Laura is a version of Logan, right? She is is made up of his DNA and is now going by Wolverine and, and is of the same, like, cut from the same cloth, right? Yep. But, and again, I think it's really interesting the way my perspective is shifted on things because of when I came into comics, right? So like... Because you didn't see her in that comparison throughout the first couple of right. runs that you read her in. Right. I and But like even knowing that that's how she came out, it's like I get it, but it also kind of irks me because it's like we're just going to take this character who's a man who everyone loves and we're just going to make a female version of him and in this instance like it just doesn't feel like she has her own personality and that's I think what bothers me about the story is because I understand the parallels but like so much of this feels like if you literally drew Logan instead of Laura and change the words so that they were saying Wolverine or Weapon X instead of X-23, there would be no, nothing that character-wise that Laura is doing in this book that differentiates her from Logan. And it's like this idea that the past that she had where she was a weapon and she was manipulated, she did some things that hurt some people and now she has to face one, the people that she killed and the guilt of killing those people and two, the repercussions of those actions because people are now coming for her and three, Classic Wolverine. and three, this entity which had manipulated her is trying to manipulate her again. Right. And like I understand in a grand scheme of like what I just said is a very broad strokes version of the story and that's a lot of like what even X-Men comics are about, right? But... I just feel like I enjoyed this story and I wasn't as irked by it this time as I was in the first issue, but I very much feel like there's not anything that's making Laura Laura in this. It's just a way to, I don't know, like tell another Wolverine story and and I don't know if I'm annoyed by it because I feel like 
it's a disservice to Laura. I don't know if it's because it feels like. I think you want more Laura from it, and you're you're being faced with the fact that there's a lot of Logan in her history and in her her character. Yeah, and, yeah. And you wanted a and Laura I, story, and there's not really a lot of personal development in the now. It's really just peeling back layers of these other characters, and then Laura reacts as a hero and is socially awkward around cameras and people. Yeah, and I just feel, I don't know, I feel like, I, I do feel like I, in Krakoa I am getting that development a little bit, but obviously this is pre that. This is before she kind of finds herself as a person and she's like in this in-between spot, but I think I want something, some kind of character, something throughout this story that... That makes makes me feel like she's her own entity and that if we were literally to just plop Logan in this story, it would, like, that's how I feel right now. If you put Logan in this story, it wouldn't make any difference at all. It could be the exact same story with Logan in it and, like, Weapon X instead of X-23. Yeah. But I, but I like it. Like, you know, like, I like Logan and I like Wolverine stories and I I thought this was good. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said about the you know, the perseverance of a Wolverine and and a a lot of other characters. We do see this in other mutants as well. But this idea that your thing is taken away from you, but you're going to keep fighting, you know, like her healing factor is taken away, but that's not going to stop her from pushing through and, and persevering in this moment. And also that she, you know, saved the civilians like that's cool. And I thought the art was great. I I like the story overall, but I still have that thing in the back of my head. And it's like I said, it's not as uh, upsetting to me as it was last week. I've kind of come to terms with like that kind of is what it is. But That is who she is or has been historically. Yeah. yeah. It's just sort of me trying to rationalize or work through what it is about the story that makes me have those kinds of feelings. Yeah. Now that it was a good payoff from issue one, that there was a lot of focus on their fight scene. And not really any forward character progression, but good flashbacks to give us context on who they were and setting up their relationship, their triangle of relationship. Because there's also the reveal of Kimura and how she fits into Jordan's story with the brother and how that'll be resolved. And I think that that's good narrative intrigue that'll come. And I like the art, especially the action, the slicing, the, the fights, the desperation of Laura in this. It's just tough to see her getting taken down like this. You know, yeah, I feel like that's for the sure. most. Yeah. But then you know she's gonna. I feel like you know she's gonna overcome that in some way, and that's what we're right. that's looking forward right. to in yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah. And I will say that, like, yes, I agree. We didn't get a lot of forward action, but I think the back action and the backstory is really important especially if you don't know that like if you don't know those relationships and obviously we don't know who jordan is right well these are new characters as well oh well kimura is not but jordan is yeah off into space oh yeah let's get into that captain marvel the first of our double brood stories double brood still only just slightly tying in some some real Anchor tie-ins. Oh, I would say more that. than yeah, slightly. Yeah, right. This is like... There's actual crossover. This was like, hey, these books are connected. There's something happening in multiple parts of the universe that is seemingly connected. What do you think of this cover? The connection continues. Mm. 
these just because yeah they are yeah i think they all are this, uh, this giant connecting cover oh. that's what i had said the first week that i want to collect them all the coloring is a little different between the two covers if you hold them next to each other on the empress brood She's a little darker or, or less vibrant on the X-Men cover. Yeah, she's a little more brown on the X-Men cover. She's a little more orange yeah. on the Captain Marvel cover. But I like the cover. I think it's good. Yeah, I love Binary's energy in the background. But Carol looks like she just snuck up on this brood while they were sleeping, and it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> I don't know. For some, I, I didn't really think about it until right now, but Binary kind of looks like she's like fighting alongside the brood queen. Sure. I mean, kind of... Right. Was the intention of it. Right. All right, let's dig in. Page turn noise. Another one. Right off the bat with the title page. We don't want to give you any preamble. Revenge of the Brood, part six. Written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Sergio Davila. Inks by Sean Parsons. Colors, Ceci de la Cruz. Letters, Clayton Coles. VCs, Clayton Coles. The cover, Juan Frigari and David Curiel. And now for the story. What do you think about this art? I like it. I, I was immediately struck by it. Like, I really do enjoy it. It just, I think it's the colors. I think it's also just a little bit of the smoothness uh, or, or lack of detail in some of the thing. Like, the detail comes through the shading of the colors. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like through all of the issues of Captain Marvel, I've really enjoyed the art. Like, it's especially been... as we get through, like, the big fight scenes and the like splash pages it's been a lot of different artists though that's that's the thing that i keep on calling out week to week or month to month is there was one a couple of issues ago that i recognized from a previous x issue that i really like his work and this one i don't know it just stuck out as different to me than some of the other ones yeah i do like it a lot though the lost vastness of space she's lost in a nightmare which seems to be our week right right i really love that you know, when we see this shot of her eyes open, like we see the galaxy like inside her eyeball. Right. You know, like I just think it's really beautiful. And so Carol's floating in brain space while all this epic fighting is happening around her. The big old splash with a brood battle, Gambit and his ideas. I got an idea then. Let's tie her to an oven and light it on fire. No, wrong Gambit. This <laughs> wrong is the Gambit. good Gambit. This is correct Gambit. This is the Gambit we like. This he's is got an idea and he's going to use his power to basically... Charge up binary. He's going to go clear. Right? Yeah, you, you just eat this stuff and I produce it and it's cool. Everyone's here, even Carol? Well, uh, sorry, I got to tell you something about that binary. She sleep in. Because she sacrificed herself for you to be saved. Yeah. Uh, so she's not really here, but she's here. And then I I love this reunion between Jessica and Binary and Polaris being like, okay, wrap it up. Y'all are having a reunion. That's beautiful. Kind of a war going on. Right. Well, that was a continued reaction from Polaris and even a couple others of, yeah, we can't give you any more. We can't cover for you to do this crazy thing. We're back against the wall fighting a swarm of brood drones. Yeah. And Binary is just like really not okay with what's happening, but... You know who's even more not okay? Psylocke. Oh, God. After she tries to reach into Carol's mind and pull her out back into the fight. The Brood Queen, no, no, little mind witch. 
You stay yeah. out of Denver's head or I'll simply take yours. And, and so this is a questionable, like, why is this kind of reaction happening? I think it's their psychic link between everybody. Yes. But the fact that this it, it's Psylocke almost dying and her anguish is being projected between everyone. Maybe that's it. Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's so much going on and Psylocke is like trying to hold Psylocke it all together. Psylocke is not an Omega level. No. Is she? No. Right. And you think. Rogue and um, Hazmat. Yes, Rogue and Hazmat are like at the ship, and sh- and she's been connecting the teams from far away for a while. The majority days. of this, I don't, I don't like know however how long, long this? this has been going on, it's, so she's like at her limit. And so when she's stabbed, she's no way of just like oh, siphoning let me just, that out. Let me hold on. Let me pause my broadcast for a second to scream in anguish let me cut you guys out and have a little situation over here in the corner and speaking of our friends who are on the ship that's their cue rested and bonding hanging out on the ship just getting to know each other as the escape plan needs to have an alteration we we understand that psylocke and the rest of them are injured we could take the ship there, but that would ruin our escape plan. Right. That's our only escape. But if we die, we don't really need an escape plan. If everyone else dies, what are we going to do? Also, please replace Tony Stark with Rogue. <laughs> yeah. So this question from Hazmat, what are you also Tony Stark? Hazmat is just fangirling all over the place. Right. Well, because Rogue is like, yeah, well, we got these suits, but like, I just let me let, let me just touch him up real quick. Let me bang him with some, a hammer. Some tweaks in here. And then when she says, Tony Stark wishes he looked this good. That's right, sugar. He does wish he looked that good. I thought this whole conversation was some pretty solid dynamic for Rogue. Yeah. We're getting the redemption in this book. Rogue and Gambit redemption. That's a weird feeling to feel. (laughs) Back to the galaxy in which Carol is floating around in. Which is also her mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I like that she's trying to decipher where she is and what's, what's really on, happening right. yeah because she is being manipulated she's been broken down and recreated trying to be bent to the will of whatever's going on between the brood suction around her oh this page yeah there's so many big splash pages oh, over the next couple God. of pages this like psychedelic brain page where carol is just fighting through her face is on those small sliver slot uh, <sighs> panels on the right the way her tears yeah, are just streaming like back. streaming as she like plows forward it's intense it's yeah, pretty cool it. i'm sorry she's had to enough. be a big old fan of carol danvers uh-oh what does that mean that's it that's all i'll say but she's she's breaking through or at least trying to break through the pain as the team says that we're starting to lose her because look at the second one where she's just seemingly become aware of the entanglement that she's fighting the brood vines or whatever you would call them and psylocke delivers the news okay right the delivers the news that we're starting to lose carol and binary you want to talk about people that are not okay with that binary is not okay she goes full Binary. <laughs> on the brood queen exploding star which is an unfortunate uh response because the brood queen like grabs her and instantly starts disintegrating her right i mean you're binary you don't have anywhere near as much strength or skill with your powers as carol or anyone else that i'm currently 
siphoning off. It's interesting to see that in contrast to Storm and the Brotherhood mm. later on and, and Aurora's use of the powers there. Yo, the Brood Queen is savage. Yeah, the Empress, yeah. Yeah, she goes, you are nothing but an echo of something much more impressive. A, nothing a shadow person. at best. A nothing person from a nowhere place. Rude. That's rude. That's, it's really what Empress she's saying. Empress rude. That's right. what I'm going to call her. And basically, everyone's like, nah, nah, this isn't okay. We need to do something. Wait, what's happening? Pew, pew, pews from the sky. It's our fake Iron Man friends. You guys call for some backup? I love this page. The banter? This page so much. Was, <laughs> it was like, great. We should have worked on that before we dropped down. No, well, I thought that was good. good. No, nah, was... we should have worked on it. <laughs> the Empress is just letting us know Binary's fate and that the Empress herself is the evil villain boss. You thought that you handled the situation? Well, just the way she like tosses Binary's right, dead body right. to the side. She just whoop, throws it. And we get yet another epic team shot followed by the team going. Like this, this feels like Power Rangers, this last panel. Oh, this yes. is blah ha 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 and all yeah. the little drones everywhere. I love the blah ha ha. Rangers. Oh. And then these this page oh yeah this whole this, spread of like binary going into carol's mind so beautiful the art and the words too just yes. really speaking to their relationship reinforcing carol's power and her ability in this place and how what she can do for herself but also coming to the fact that binary is dead right binary are you dead yes like oh. and that's the part that really fuels carol Right, because it was exactly what she was trying to avoid by putting herself in this situation. And so she's that's like what gives her the extra strength, you know? Right. And the brood did not learn their lesson, so it's time for a reckoning. Time for a reckoning. You haven't had enough? Oh, I love it. Next issue, a reckoning. We told you it was time for it, and it's our... The cavalry arrives as the rest of the X-Men join the battle against the Brood, but the real danger lies within. It all collides here in Captain Marvel number 49. So we're going to get the continuation after our next X-Men issue in the final... Everybody's been teasing this. Did you tell your ex-friends? I mean, you you guys are our ex-friends, so... We told I you. Told, we told you. Talk to a, we talked to a handful of people that did read the and, and enjoyed. How did you feel about this issue? I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Like the action was great. The art was great. The, the connection I'm beginning to have with Carol as a character. You know, like in the beginning when she was talking about her relationship with Binary and why this meant so much to her and all of that. I was kind of like, okay, okay. I'm going to come along for the ride. Sure. But like I obviously didn't know and understand them as characters. And now I like I really felt I love it. You, Carol. Like I felt that moment when she was like, Binary, are you dead? Like yeah. that was a moment that hit, you know? And, yeah. and I'm really enjoying this relationship. Does that mean I'm going to like go start reading Captain Marvel comics? No, let's be honest. I don't have time for that. But what? I... But, if I read a Captain Marvel comic, I wouldn't be upset. And even the one the one Captain Marvel I read for AXE, yeah, I actually good. really right, liked. Right. It's like I like the voice of Carol. I like the character. I like the the uh, like well, the progression it, of the story. Especially Kelly Thompson's work and, and yeah. just knowing their work in these other characters and their work previously on Mr. and Mrs. X and other things throughout comics industry. Know that 
I think that they write the entire 50 issues of this arc that's ending after this next issue. Oh, cool. So this is next issue. This conclusion of this is going to be 49. The last issue is 50 and then it'll be over. Oh, but 50 issues. It's a solid run. Yeah. Of a character all on Marvel Unlimited. Calm down. If you wanted to read more, Carol will also be on the new Avengers team. That the uh, uncanny Avengers? No, not that one. The actual Avengers Avengers, which I saw a, a video trailer for the other day. Oh. Written by Jed McKay, who's the writer for Mary Jane and Black Cat. Oh. No, I'm not buying Avengers. That's <laughs> I'm buying fine. Uncanny Avengers. Yes. That's fine. We'll get there. Yeah, this is. It's been an epic battle with the brood. It's interesting to see this in contrast to the X-Men story and how that has so many different threads in different areas with their different character pairings. This has largely been a two group split Mm. that has worked through a very condensed and concentrated deal or villain or or problem. They they got, you know, kind of brainwashed for a hot second but the whole time they were looking for binary it, it's and largely then, like, been the last this, few issues have been this like specific right how do we get her working out of the situation through the brood battle right yeah yeah it's just interesting to then think about what we're going to talk about next and the amount of bopping around with with nightmare with and and how that ties into everything else with the nowhere head like yeah what is that we'll right, get to, right we'll get to it but it's it's just doing those kind of bopping around stories, but on a much more condensed scale and the higher stakes for just this team. Vaderino said, I am one of the few that liked this book the most. Really just a great story with adventure and our characters even get some more character development. Rogue shines in this issue and Gambit wasn't acting evil this week. Progress. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, I mean, I, I really enjoy this issue as well. I think... I really also enjoyed the X-Men and uh, Storm and the Bros. But yeah, I, I have really loved this voice for the character and the characters throughout yeah. this arc. And I think that that's part of it. I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much is because it's not just a Carol story, but the X-Men are so deeply woven into this right. particular storyline that it doesn't feel like I'm reading a comic outside of what I would normally be reading. Right. Yeah. I'd almost call to say that this is going to make the end of this run probably the best of it or, mm. or the best of it in a little while just because you added a handful of people along the way mm-hmm. who knows will i get the last issue i don't know yeah you're gonna want to close probably it not we'll see probably not mike loves mariah carey says i've been loving the captain marvel aka the second x-men team book yeah. so sad it'll be over soon see y'all in captain marvel 49 because it is going to end soon, but it is first going to collide with our next story, mm-hmm. which I, that's the crossover that we've been looking for, wondering, waiting for. Here it is. Warline said that binary should have been reabsorbed into Carol, but R.I.P. Binary. The X books lost hard to non X books when it comes to telling good stories. He was really talking about this one and other X, uh, other Marvel books this week. Oh, he didn't enjoy X Men. And not really Storm of the Brotherhood either, but... Oh, well, yeah. Crazy. Storm of the Brotherhood was crazy. X-Men was crazy. Well, is it time to talk about X-Men? It is time to talk about X-Men. We're here. 
That's it's funny because every time we do our audio test, I'm excited about X Men. We test our level of how excited I'm we are. I'm excited about X Men. Talk about X Men. We're gonna talk about X Men. But we mean X Men as a franchise and not just this title. But for right now, we're excited to talk about X Men. And Cyclops on this cover coming out swinging. Uh, because he's got a feeling about the brood yeah. that we discover throughout this issue. It's controversial. This is the split that Jerry teased the other day. Not the not split, but the, the controversial. It's a rift. The, 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 yeah. All right, here we go. Page, turn, noise. The brood deserve no quarter. They take everything from you. We have the power to end their threat, and we should use it. Scott Summers at an early meeting of the Krakoan War Captains. That really like set a tone about where he's at and how he feels and how open he is to some ideas, but we'll not We can't get talk there just about it yet. right now because we're going through the romance of Forge and Monet. Which I mean, yeah, but big age gap. Age means nothing. Just just temple me up, baby, and I'll catch right up to you. I kinda like it. All right. I'm here for the two of them. This alternate reality brainchild. They really bumped brains. They, they had a baby together. <laughs> Confused about what happened before and, and the, the why this now. You know, like the, the whole that we're dead on the ground when we showed up here. and Yeah, it's I don't know. And I also want to know, like, why are we going into a black hole to bring nowhere back? So that we can then put it in the middle of space for the brood to live on at the end of this issue. Right, right. Like, well, if if what we need is for nowhere, like if it, what's the purpose of bringing nowhere back? Well, so thinking about that, this is kind of jumping around, but thinking about what the prop, what the purpose of nowhere is, is it creates real estate in space, which. You think about Araco, you think mm, about okay. Phobos, you think about just the sword expansion program when they were looking for other places. This gives you a moon-like entity that is not colonizing another moon or, or taking over. I don't know what you would call that in this sense, but claiming. Mm, colonizing seems Yeah, right. right, sure. But there's no Martians or Jupiter people. Right, it's not, it's not someone. Stealing land. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're gonna they're gonna go home or die trying, those two. As we catch back up in a nightmare rematch. Listen, Gene's just gonna bitch slap night nightmare real quick and tell him to shut up. <laughs> How many times are we gonna slap each other back and forth? This is the the cattiest that I've ever seen someone fight Jean. And I love it. Yeah, yeah. I just like that she's basically like, Shut up, sit down. Here, just you're the worst. I'm gonna make all these little demons come for you. Mm. See you never, nightmare. <sighs> His plan of attack through the brood getting called out. No control over them. He's only freed them from brew. I like really love how much Jean hates nightmare. <laughs> and like this last thing she says to him. I try never to kill because I can do so without effort. But if you attack me again, I'll snap every atom in your body apart. You'll only exist in books on magic. Yeah, that's pretty sick burn. Especially as he's surrounded by demon fire and the nightmares attacking him. But he's like, (laughs) he just like laughs it off. Well, it's just the the threat of physical attack to what is essentially a a spirit or a demon of sorts. You can't kill me, woman. Right. 
and his unamused call back what is one will be two by the end of your day and then you'll still have the fall of your kind to witness is nightmare a precog now like where is he getting this i don't know or he's involved somehow uh, yeah maybe uh, he's what is infesting oh yeah well at least so you think about the issue four of x-men when he visited the dreams what just come with me for a while, issue right? Four, issue four. The, the, the number. That's the horseman yes. cover, right? Pepe Larraz on the cover. There was Javier was the guest artist. They go into Cyclops' mind and he is worried if he's wrong or like Cyclops is right and he's burning in effigy. Like, like there's all this destruction all around him. That's crazy that you remember that. But but think about that. Like, is this is where Cyclops at an influence from Nightmare? I'm only just thinking about this now. I don't Maybe. know if it actually is. Yeah. But this is Nightmare playing on the fears of Cyclops by these world-ending events. Is he right? Is he wrong? Is this big choice that he has to make keeping him up throughout his nights, at least since Halloween last year? Maybe. Maybe. But we can't worry about Nightmare right now because we've got to go find the rest of the team. So Magic, take us to the X-Men. Magic Taxi onto the title page. On it. What is the price of mercy? I am letting it slide that you just stole my title page line. Just so You don't know. own title pages. That I was a great segue. I own lots of things. No, that's bull. That's baloney. We own Lord of the Brood Part <laughs> 3. Written by Jerry Duggan, art by Stefano Casale, colors Federico Blee, letters Clayton Coles, VCs. not owned by VCs. VCs Clayton Coles. <laughs> yeah, the cover is Juan for Jerry. <laughs> David Curio. Wow. I oh, love God. I love the art in this issue. Yeah, it's freaking I amazing. Love it. It's so good. It is so good. I mean it's Stefano. I, I really like Stefano's work through everything that he's done in the Cocoon era. And uh doing a lot of X Men Red lately. In a classic Wolverine style, something smells off. Yeah, sure. Talon is picking up on something going wrong as they are the X-Men. The rest of our X-Men, our deep space X-Men, are trying to transport these poor little victims. I know. These these people. They've been through a lot. They've been through a lot. It's and now not, they're all going to die because they're brood infected. Right. It's a trap. We we've even, We, the reader, have been told this. Yes. Last issue, but the team is about to find it out. So I do love the the note, and we talked about it earlier. Scott having had the pitch to create the Atlantic Archipelago as a safe haven for refugees, and the angst that he has around the council shooting this idea down as mm. he's recounting it to Iceman and Firestar. Well, it's interesting that he has this point that he wants to create an area for refugees, and then that's essentially what they do at the end of this issue that he is against. Just not, not those refugees. I'm just saying. You know, I know. Like that's that's not how you end the word refugee. <laughs> I know. I know, I know. Those are different refugees that I don't like. Well, we gotta do something because how human all of these you. people are <laughs> exploding into broods and you know. Uh, yeah, sinking talent doing a quick Scan of everything. Yeah, they're all infected. This is no, that can't be. Everywhere, out of nowhere, it was a trap with Corsair set as the bait, slashing through. I love this panel of Talon. Oh, I know. 
I love this panel of Talon and like this artist is like really makes her so beautiful and such a baddie at the same time and it's like I know you're not like the Laura but you're also Laura and I love you <laughs> maybe you're even less like Wolverine because you refuse to be Wolverine because you're Talon I don't know has the name grown on you no. no why would you ask that you just ruined how I feel <laughs> but listen sink whoa man he's like you know Oh, just hold on one second. I'm going to channel Polaris. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Coffee. When was the last time I saw her? Coffee. I'm going to age myself 100 years. Coffee and anxiety. That's that's Polaris. That's me. Sure. <laughs> Let me relate hard to a character character real quick. Yeah. And it is uh, just a very high level of that character. Yeah. The Krakoan age of that character. Right. So let me just explode the bulkhead and I'll, I'll send all these biddies into space and I'll protect myself in Talon yeah, in this, this orb and th then I'll cry because right. remember that time we were in the vault? Well, the ideas of mercy here and, and what he's doing to, to not only save himself, but to kind of not kill these people. They get this instant death of not this. kill them you mean not slowly murder them and let brood explode out of them and right. they'll just explode into he, nothing in and, space and that's what they say is that he is not killing them but he cannot save them he is right. letting them die in space quickly explode so the mercy of this act and how it tears him up but i i do the fact that you're referencing the vault and i have all caps the vault but i actually don't mind this reference here because it adds a new piece of revelation and detail connected to his story and Talon's story in the vault, they had no one else to fail other than Darwin, RIP, slash data man. You know, like they, they were just fighting for each other and fighting for themselves. They didn't have all these other people, this hero side of mm. being the aged, saged hero that they are, that they now feel this responsibility. And and plus just to see him carted back to the med bay a couple pages later by Talon and just laying there next to Corsair defeated by this age well, process let's be honest if you're gonna pull polaris's powers From like that's gonna out. age that's you huge. a lot right and i i have to say artistically i really love this this panel breakdown where they're in this bubble together and then you see them side by side yet they're in their own separate panels I feel like that is such a powerful like just a metaphor for like what they've gone through and that you know, yes, they went through this thing. They are together, but they also have had such separate experiences. Right. You know, especially like Talon has been in Doing the vault. Like, what else has she gone through? We don't know. Is she a plant? No. <laughs> Data page. I'm starting to like her. Can you not? <laughs> I can't because if it happens and you're not prepared for it, you're going to be even more upset. A more recent conversation between the war captains and a split vote. Magic. This this idea is insane. Okay? Yeah. No matter what you feel about Cyclops and Gene in this conversation, this this idea is I love Psylocke's line. Like, where did you get this idea? Dark beast or beast or, or sinister? Yeah. Like it's worth just it's like, first of all, Bishop, chill. Second of all, Cyclops chill right third of all i agree with magic i'm out on the scarlet golem plans right the and this isn't necessarily 
that nobody else agrees with the threat or needing to deal with the brood. It's just this as an idea takes it a couple steps further. Like, That's what I was trying to say is that we have a few levels of the conversation that we're talking about. And just the idea that Scott is entertaining this feels crazy. Like that's, I don't know. Perversion I, of their powers know. and identity. Like I don't know Scott that well, right? Like I don't know him that well, but I'm going to say that this conversation and the way that he reacts to the brood in the rest of this issue, like that doesn't feel like Scott Summers. Like I understand you're upset, but you in so many issues have been like the one to be like, yeah, we are going to go after this space like wasn't there a recent issue where there was literally like yeah hello orcus they freaking saved Saved orcus Orcus." right he was like yeah no we got to save everybody because we're the x-men and that's what we do we save whoever we can save right and that's who scott is in my mind he's like really sticking to his guns on that and now all of a sudden he's like kill the brood and not only kill the brood but let's create this weird zombie version of wanda that we can manipulate to say no more brood so i do I 100% agree with all the things you're saying, but I just do want to acknowledge that that's Bishop's suggestion and idea that Cyclops says it's worth considering, which is the only acknowledgement into his vote for it because they do say it does vote 2-2, right? Right. So they do say that he would say, yeah, let's let's talk about this. But that feels... That feels not that Scott. That does not feel like Scott. I feel like Scott would be like, no. That That's Mr. Sinister. That's what he had right. done and manipulated me as a child. And I saw the sinister eyeballs, you know. Yeah. So, like, props to Psylocke and Magic for being like, uh, shut it down yeah. on this. Because that's concerning. But it also takes me back to what you were saying about that x-men number four and nightmare and like is there someone or something in scott's mind or has nightmare been continuously toying with scott's mind in like a more subtle way so that it's not as noticeable to get him to this place so so you take those pieces that piece of nightmare playing on his fears playing on his nightmares and amplifying them in his dreams and you think about who scott is as we know him through the issues and the data pages of the krakoan era Mm -hmm. he is a guy that for his fun practices doomsday situations and and like goes through like this is what you do makes a handbook and crunches numbers on responses to large threats so you want to think about scales of large threats we already did children of the vault we now know what the black box is and how they're essentially held in stasis instead of killed as well i don't know if that would be more difficult or could you not say no more children of the vault? Why is it considered for that and not this? I don't know. It's interesting. But the contrast of that as a species, that as a people, and the brood as a people, and and Scott's reaction, and just how his fears, his concerns over time could weigh on him, especially when manipulated by an outside demon. Right. We got our... our First of two references to the X-Men emergency communication channels as our nowhere head is being relocated to the Jupiter space. What's going on here? Why are you all here? Why are we in Jupiter? Are we in a celestial head? I love the questions. Everybody's confused. Why are we here as the magic taxi arrives to the wrong (laughs) X-Men? Yeah. And then it's like, well, okay, but... Space is weird. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy because like here's also Psylocke. She's popping up. So we don't really have time. 
to discuss this. Instead, Monet, Handel, the Nowhere Head, the rest of us, we gotta go. We gotta go. Got the rest of the group, and we gotta go oh. to Carol. Oh yeah, because that that because now they're all together, right. right? We're getting the message from and and this landing in the room at the exact wrong time, as Cyclops says, "Let's go kill the Brood once and for all." Right. And Brew is like, his, no, his, you can't. Look at his physicality as he's just like, come on, guys. You want to go? Let's do it. You want to go kill the brood? You want to go squash some bugs? And just, just, oh, yeah. Brood's rea- Brew's reaction going off. I mean, for a second. That just... I mean, yeah. Well, he's, you have to think of Brew is a mutant and a brood, right? So he's like, Y'all, come on. Like, these well, see, are my people. So he is considered a mutant. He is not a mutant in the sense that he is... Uh, he, there are mutants outside of human mutants, right? Mm-hmm. He is a mutant in that his calling, his physiology is different from the like baseline Warlock. of... Like Warlock, yes. Uh, there's, there's a handful of others that are mutants, but of different races or of different species, Right, he is a mutant because he has logical thought and compassion, and is outside of the overarching hive, and he's a male. Mm-hmm. But this this back and forth as Cyclops is going off on Brew of, you know, what what happens if how how we got here, all the dead, all the injured, all everything. Like, how can we just let that be a thing? And Jean says we can save some of them. Saved mm-hmm. saved for what? What, why are we saving them? Because that's what we do, you dingus. Yeah. We're the X-Men. That's your line, Scott. Let me whip those glasses off your face. Look at me in the eyes and tell me that you're a murderer all of a sudden. Why are you a murderer, Scott Summers? And then he just looks in her eyes and says, Yeah, I think wiping out the brood is a great idea. Oh, this clap back. How very human of you. Oh, my God. I mean, so it's split. I think by the words that you're saying, I 100% know where you're at. You on... didn't know where I was at when I when I commented on the post? Sure. I, I knew where you were at just... Well, you didn't really give any hints in your comment. I just know where you were at because I know who you are. But Right. That's well, everybody knows my two least favorite X-Men are Charles Xavier and Scott Summer. Sure. <laughs> But I try to separate my feelings for a character with the the logic or understanding of the situation. So I secret poll. Oh, no, you did another poll. Who's right, Scott or Gene? Exactly. 56% said Gene. 44% said Scott. Oof, that's a tight race. That's a tight but race. Gene still wins. Yeah, sure, yeah, let's go. It's funny that so Jerry had also put on Twitter... I thought you were going to say that Jerry voted and I got so excited. He had a vote on Twitter of who was right, Gene or Cyclops. 62% said Gene, 38% said Cyclops. Well, there you go. I don't know. This this weird throwing Cordyceps Jones into her face is odd because... Cordyceps like, Jones is one. But also, the yeah, he's one, but... He's a fungal infection. He is essentially a hive mind, which is comparable to the threat of the brood. So he has the ability to infest and take over and control other people just like the brood. Right. But he's not he's not an entire species like 
what about Krakoa? You know, if Krakoa was using his ability to infect and take over other entities, would that be comparable to a society, an ecosystem? I don't know. I just think that the bottom line of the question for me is like, Free your choice is to commit genocide of an entire species because yep. of what is happening. And if you think about it in the same way of like, if you could take out the empress who is controlling them, then they would be susceptible to the control of someone else. And maybe that control would not be bad if it was brew, right? So like they're not making that choice. Just like if you kill Cordyceps Jones, yes, he has killed other people and made them his puppets, but you're killing him, which is relinquishing his control on those things versus you're just going to kill everyone. Like it's the idea of the the genocide of an entire species, which is something that Scott should be sensitive to. Sure. So I mean, all mutants is right. kind of and, and just I know, what but they Scott's fight the for. one who's saying just kill them all. I don't give a crap. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he gives so much of a crap. He's pulling a beast. You know, he's saying this is the greatest amount of mutants saving them at, at once. Or what, what can you do? I like Forge's side eye in this, you know, once we, we get the message, we're like, all right, well, listen, we got to go help Psylocke anyway and the rest of the X-Men. So and there's kind of a part of me that's like, can't Monet just come? <laughs> Like, why do they have to be like, go just go do the thing with the ship. Like, take nowhere somewhere. We yeah. we The big kids have to go play now. You didn't make the team, okay? Right. This, you didn't get on the vote. So this is, this is what Jerry would have done if Monet was here. Right. Or, yeah, right. So. Occasionally, he just writes in whoever he wants to. And good for you. As he should. You're right. You know, the, X-Men, job, is, the X-Men is more than just the limited roster. They're who pops in and out. On the day. But I like Forge's little side. Yeah, Gene, I know you're going to save some, so. Yeah. I gave you a little hotel for him out in Jupiter. My nowhere head that I had no other plan for, which I thought was odd. That's what I'm saying. The, the like, way that this ties in and wraps up so nightly, nicely, I thought was strange. Right. And then, you know, I think it is Bruised important out. for what Gene says of we can do this for you, Brew, but like. You also have to acknowledge that this is a situation that happened because you lost control and we can't have that happen again. And so you guys need to like go live in solidarity, like just be by yourselves in your little nowhere and stay there. And you Mm -hmm. have to be okay with that. Yeah. Shelter in place. Be apart. The the conversation between the two of them of is Cyclops right? And, And Brew feeling that he might be, but wants to fight for any redemption that there can be any saving that he can of his people. I love the, the final lines from Gene of just saying, you know, all this is going to happen. You're going to have to carry this. You're going to have to shelter in place with your species. Can you do that? Are you strong? Can you pay it forward and go to bed? Take a nap. Go to bed, brew. (sighs) Next, the wolves at your door. That's a crazy lineup on that. That's all Orcus. Except for Moira, it's basically the inner council of Orcus, which we've seen a cover like that previously. It was those big issues talking about all of the Rocco, all mm. of the Krakoan council, and then all of the Orcus council, essentially. That that was a huge issue. Yeah. What would you think of this one? I liked it. I liked it a lot. 
I think it's it's interesting when there's controversy among the team. Yeah. You know? When there's somewhat rationalized or a reasoned argument between characters' point of view. Yeah. And I don't know. I just like... I enjoy Jean Grey when she stands up for herself and when she like puts her powerful foot down. I don't enjoy when she like shies away from that powerful version of herself and i feel like she she's gonna smack down nightmare she's gonna lay down the lot of scotch she's gonna drop off brew and say take a nap and then they're gonna go on to the next thing i don't know she was the standout for me in this issue yeah yeah i I thought this was fantastic i thought the balance of action and character interaction was really cool between them all i thought you know like we've been talking about this does feel odd for scott Mm -hmm. but you think about and what I was just thinking about now, the pressures of him in this role as war captain, the, the survival of even just the couple of issues from Hickman at the beginning of the X-Men run when the brood came in and almost destroyed Krakoa. Mm-hmm. The only reason that they survived was because eating this random science made egg that gave control to brew. What happens if that gets undone again. I, I just thought it was a lot of really interesting questions that get at an ideological difference and and then created this divide between Scott and Gene on the other side that is kind of huge and will send more ripples between them and the rest of the lineup going forward. I just I, Stefano's art is pure gold. Yes. The aces all around. It was just it was great action, great expressions, just great physicality. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Good stuff. Agreed, agreed. I am mixed on whose side I'm on. Oh, I mean, I can understand, like, the argument of, like... It's pragmatic. What do the brood do in a positive light in the universe? They're a hive mind that is a parasite that takes you over. Their, Their existence is to take over other people, eat them from the inside and consume their knowledge. They are the phalanx, but because they're not technology, they're they're physical. You think about the, the connection between the phalanx that they share and just how they consume full runs of civilizations. Yeah, yes. Uh, but I think the difference is the brew factor. And sure. that's where, that's the line of like, if this entity had no positive option there was only the road of destruction then it would be a little bit different than saying okay but if we save some of them and brew is with them then they have the potential to be better and don't we want to fight for that potential to be better isn't that what we're all about so that's where you know it's like a little bit different where where that's kind of the argument that we're, you're trying to... That's where I'm saying that there's somewhere in between that there is... There's obviously the amount of brood that were lost under the sway of Nightmare, right? Right. Those There's no way for brood to regain control over brood armies. Mm. That was a fake created science experiment in the King Egg. That's what gave him power over them. And they had been fighting that power in previous issues throughout the Krakoan era. So there's no way to assert control over those lost sections. Got it. Right? So what do you do about that? Do you, you kill them. Okay. And But what if 
if so that that's the question of could another brew or another mutant or another perspective have developed from those ravishing sides the those kind of mindless drones okay but that takes you exactly back to the same like discussion we have about beast which is sure you that, don't exactly you don't wipe out something just in case it is a problem because you if if all you do is see the negative of what could be negative then what you're doing is just perpetuating more negative and yes it could be a problem and you could have to solve it and more people could die but is it worth that, like eliminating that possibility to also eliminate the possibility of positivity? And that's the question is like, if there was no hope, that's one thing. But to just decide that you're going to take a preemptive strike on something that isn't a problem right now is where it crosses a line. Sure. That's how I feel about what Beast is doing. That's how I feel about this. I understand this is fictional. It's science science fiction. It, yeah. That's the morality that plays in my mind. It's like if there is potential for a positive outcome, if there is potential for growth, if there is potential for someone to make a change, or even in, in like the sense of Beast, like you're deciding that that's a potential threat and you're going to take out any threat, anything that could be a potential threat you're exerting this negative negativity before yeah, you're, you're it's a problem. Right. right. Yeah. It's just interesting to think about the different ways that this argument is showing up. Mm -hmm. So the brood, the brood do not exist in a vacuum of this giant ideological threat to mutant kind. Mm -hmm. Think about the children of the vault as a species. If they are the ultimate threat, you think about the phalanx as a species. You think about, you know, the Sidri on a smaller scale, the, the little bug aliens that are inhabiting the mansion last we saw them. Mm -hmm. It's just these types of threats and, and the levels of these threats and how that's literally this man's job or this council's job, this this captain's job is to brainstorm this. And I, I, I'm not arguing against what you're saying. I'm not yeah, yeah, trying no, to, I I'm just looking at the full conversation of what it is we're talking about. And I think that there's... It's a, a gray area and it's what a lot of it's the value of is Cyclops right? No. Is his opinion worth considering and having a conversation like this to reach some way that we're, yes. Mm -hmm. Right. If we're saying should this one mutant go it alone? No, that's sinister. That's beast. That's Xavier. That's that's all these my way Do or the you highway. Just say that's Xavier. Sure. And and that gives you <laughs> that saber tooth, you know that that's this that's one person. That's this one person's way of doing it, not considering anyone else. That that's the antithesis of the promise of Krakoa that we're all supposed to be at the table together, contributing to the grander idea, and none of that's ever really even happening. Right, but the, I think the thing that's most concerning here is it's also the antithesis of of Scott Summers. Like it just feels. Not like a choice. Well, yeah, and, and especially in the recent continuity, which Warline keeps bringing up, and then I've been talking to him about it, just how he has developed over the last decade in these conversations with his younger self mm -hmm. and how that had changed. And even he had mentioned uh, wanting to, but not being able to t just take out Sinister. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you think about Sinister as a species 
And especially after Sins of Sinister. And if everybody knows what happened and what he did, like what what do you do then? Do you not eliminate? Do you say no more Sinister? Is that against the law? Is that a different conversation? Is that because you know that he's done these other things and he's capable of doing these other things? So is the brood, right? It's just it's just such an interesting conversation. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Yeah, no, it's just that like we kind of had a similar conversation recently about something else, which I can't remember right now. But to me as a person in any of these kind of like back and forth answers, like murder is not the right choice. Self-defense, killing someone in self-defense is different, but just deciding to murder to save yourself a a, a headache or as a means of solving a problem, in my opinion, it's not the choice. It's just not what you do. It's not how you solve a problem. It's not how you like, you know, perpetuate positive energy in the universe. It's just not what you do. There are other options sometimes. So, I don't think just like choosing to assassinate someone to solve your problem is the right answer. Right. Uh, I agree. We're not talking about murder. We're talking about war. And I feel like that's... We're talking about murder. Sure. Cyclops is talking about just going and just killing all of them. You know. There, there's layers to it. I don't think the conversation is... It's got so many facets to it. And it's really... it's. The bigger idea of Krakoa being elevated to a government, being elevated to this larger, how do we deal with these situations that are on a scale bigger than me and my five other mutants on a team, right? Is it murder going after one person? Yes. Is it murder in response to previous attacks on your ability to live and be people? But... My understanding of what Cyclops is saying in this particular situation is we're going to go to where these other people are, these other X-Men are. We're going to kill all those brood and then we're going to scour the universe to find every last brood and kill them all because I don't ever want to deal with them again. And that is different than just going and taking care of a problem. That is seeking them out to destroy them all. Like the what we've learned here in this instance is there are multiple hot like there are multiple hives essentially right there are multiple people or multiple broods there are now two factions essentially there, right. there's brew who controls his hive mind remainder and then there's the whatever is maybe controlled by this empress maybe controlled by there's layers of their structure and system there there's a queen that has likely risen to power amongst the other drones but yeah we don't, we don't know the full rest of the other brood but yeah it's a lot it's, it's we a could lot. literally talk about yeah. this for like seven hours i think but let's not but let's talk about some questions okay michael mariah carey said that sink getting older using polaris is exciting but how old is he aging himself repercussions can we please just have monet on the team like she's doing more than havoc say less right i just feel like but yeah. also havoc kind of was like i'm done i'm done he already kind of like Handed in his resignation. Was that a, a plan from Jerry? Or, or did that come up because of Dark X-Men maybe? I don't know. I think Jerry saw an opportunity and he took it. And he was like, I don't have to write Havoc in this book anymore. Right. It was just to piss off Scott anyway. <laughs> Scott's angry enough as it is. Yeah. Vaderino is wondering, how did Nightmare know that Gene and Scott were about to have a tiff? Also, the fact that Gene has a secret sanctuary that few know about for the brood is very interesting. 
This is definitely going to come back to haunt everyone, possibly as soon as the Hellfire Gala. A whole bunch of brood with access to the Krakoan gate system? Talk about a PR disaster. Yeah, that could be disastrous. I agree that that little secret between Gene and Forge is not a great one. Right. But I think we kind of discussed our thoughts on how Nightmare knew what was up. Like, we think he's inside Cyclops' dreams still or something. I don't know. I, I think I, I'm not like 100% on that. I'm, I was just throwing that out as mm. a potential that might explain some of the, the rashness out of character that we're saying is what he's considering in this is it genocide of a, a parasitic hive mind? I don't know. The additional point that Vaderina brought up was the fact that Scott just wants to pilot around some Wanda clones. Like Beast gave you this idea, didn't he? And <laughs> and that was what Psylocke was calling out. Where did you get this nonsense? Yeah, it's that's it's not okay. I was reading that data page and I was like, what is happening? Right. What is going on? Why are we even entertaining this conversation? And Bishop, why are you why are you suggesting this? Well, that was what Warline was talking about. Bishop suggesting erasing the brood from existence takes away a lot of the justification for brew uh, for Bishop and where he's been, and especially what he did to Hope and the genocide that he commits to get to her. So it's kind of like a how does this fit in? I do agree that you know characters can change and they can change their motivation, especially someone as complex as Bishop, mm. who it changes based on where the future is going and what could be potential. And I don't know what he's seen for the brood in the future, and you know that could be part of that, but. I often question where he comes with that. The reason I'm with Gene in this is that even if the brood are mindless bugs, they evolve like all species. So how many brood like brew are we not going to allow to exist when we kill their kind? Yes, exactly. So, all right. So while I 100% agree with that, and I think that's really the, the, the cap on it, the brood in their swarm, in their unconnected from brew culture, attack earth we can kill them if they if they attack you can defend yourself and kill them yes and if they attack earth and they they wipe out a bunch of people but it's not all of them that attacked do you just wait until they come back or is that you know that that's the yes because uh, because if brew is in the picture the ones who didn't attack are not under the influence of evil so you're going and you're taking this thing that these it's it, okay just imagine the brood are humans for like a second. And like, let's imagine that a huge group of humans are suddenly brainwashed and they go attack another group of humans and kill them. Do you go back? Like, let's let's just say like it's all of North America versus all of South America and all the people from North America or a huge group of people from North America go to South America and and just start killing and South America defends themselves and then they go, hmm, well, whew, the rest of North America might get infected one day, so I better go up there and kill them all. Like, no. But but it's it's the problem of the fact that the broods base is they're not infected. That's their base desire is to go and kill the other species. That's 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 what pilots them. Right, but the argument here and like that was Warline, right? That was bringing that up? No, that was a question that I... Well, so he had talked about the fact that brew could be a right. development. So that's what I'm saying is like Warline's bringing up the fact that brew is an is is a brood and is not 
is a mutation of that and that there is potential for development and change within their species. And so, yes, they could come back and attack, but those ones who are not attacking do have the potential to change or the potential to evolve in some way. Mm -hmm. And so by going after the ones who are not the ones who attacked, you remove that choice for them. And like, yeah, I understand they're a mindless entity that just attacks, but Brew is in the picture. He's a part of the thing. He's he's aiming for change. And so to to just assume that he's going to fail is, I don't know, I think it's a bad choice. But we're, we're starting to debate it again, and we, we can't do that. We can't have a whole podcast episode about this. We need to talk about Storm and the Brotherhood soon. Yeah. JPV Cavalcanti says, am I the only one who has the feeling that the brood will save everything during war? I freaking hope they that do. That they come back and then that's I, the thing. Literally. That'd be great. I hope that happens so hard right now. <laughs> Brew and his army of brood are going to come with their nowhere ship and they're going to eat all of Orcus. Sure. That'd be great. Let's go. And then Scott Summers can eat his visor. <laughs> but what about the mindless ones out in deep space? Listen. <laughs> Then when they come for you, can kill them. That's what I'm saying. Curls hates Scott with all of her heart. Curls he, and I, she just gets me. But he was smoking in this issue. Oh, my God. When he took off his visor and his hood came down, <laughs> I was like, oh, hello. Alicia, what did you think? Because <laughs> I think I, I missed that one. But Warline had said Scott's face is really well drawn without the visor. That's probably the best panel of him without the visor ever. I, I was like, oh, suddenly... I see what Emma sees. (laughs) When there's a man who has a face that you wouldn't mind having that face, that's how you know he's an attractive man? That's That's how you know. That's how you know? If you woke up in the mirror and you saw that face on your body. You'd be all right with it. That's how you know he's attractive? Yeah. (laughs) Yes, curls. Yes. (laughs) It's this panel, especially. The one where he's like looking down, grabbing his visor and his like emo bangs in his face. He's brooding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to point out before we get to Storm and the Bros, the Moira trading card issue cover. Moira, not in this issue at all, is in Storm and the Bros, kind of, not really. (laughs) And I did think that that was ironic as I was looking at them in the pile. Yes. Does that mean it's time? Yeah, that, that was my very abrupt segue into Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants. Well, I love this cover because she's gorgeous. Some of uh, how this is happening and why it's happening coming at us in this issue. And I just this. I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, spicy. Here we go. Page. Turn. Noise. The song of the end. The storm system. This on-fire base of just awesomeness. This is Korra, essentially, just living through a spaceship, I think. I it's think that, freaking this is, amazing. Right? Is Korra's this... incredible. And I love the, like, the, the ballad of this issue. Yeah. Just the poetry of it. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. King John Ironfire. Who even knows why we name it Arako? 
Who even knows the storm system and what that means to them? Right. Well, it's a thousand years, right? right and he's right. like, does anybody even know our history? Lost. What will happen? Will anybody remember us the right way? Will anybody remember Storm? Will anybody remember any of us as the Red Queen comes? We're going to get our Storm back. Well, right. You want me to help or, or you want to go after this symbol of hope, this this beacon and trust these other people. That You know you can trust me. You know you can trust Storm. Can you trust these chuckleheads that you've added into... The mix. Yeah. I mean, I said in in this week's Patreon, I said, I don't want to try to predict what's going to happen in Sins of Sinister because you just don't know. And then last week we were like, how's it going to happen? How's Storm going to come back? I'll tell you what I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Freaking Sinister to be the one to do it. Right. Or at least to have the piece, the fact that they have a five assembled here. Look at his terrifying smile. Yeah, and even you don't trust that at even all. Even to call attention to the smirk. Oh God. He loves his puns. We'll get into it after the title page, okay? The last stand. The song of the end, written by Al Ewing, art by Alessandro Viti, colors Rain Barreto, letters Ariana Maher. Lionel Francis, you and Matt Miller on the cover. I, I do like the the point of this North Star that you no longer need. What Cora's basically asking is, do we really have to do this? Do we have to trust this man right. to get Storm? Do you need Storm to be able to win this fight? Right. He, he thinks that we absolutely do. And I kind of agree, especially as we go through it. But <sighs> I'm pretty sure it was at this panel, at this moment, that I knew you were right. About Mother Righteous in the last issue. Oh, yeah? Because we're seeing Emma and her team on their way, and Rasputin is nowhere in sight. And I just feel like if Emma had mentally connected with Rasputin and made a deal with her, when we see Emma for the first time in this issue, we would see Rasputin. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not the case. No. Which I don't love. Yeah. (laughs) The Red Diamond Empire. These chimeras. Which one are these? These are the uh, the sage advisors. Mm. So ridiculous. They're so complex. All of these. The, the fact that Emma Sinister. How do you feel about that? Sinister Emma is no, how I would phrase it. That's not how it, I know. In, in canon. I know. But I'm just saying Emma Sinister feels like Emma married Sinister. Whereas Sinister Emma feels like that's the evil version of Emma. That's just how I would. It's funny because Warline pointed out like you thought Emma Stark was the most (laughs) terrible thing that could happen. And now you see Emma Sinister. But the thing is, I don't think... This character of Emma is bad. You just hate Uh, the the Uh, connection between Emma and Tony. Yeah, I think that this version of Emma is great because... It's so twisted, you know, like I, like I said, I don't I've said this before. I don't have any problem with a villain. I want a villain to know they're a villain, you know, yeah. and she knows. Oh, yeah. She knows. You know who we don't know. I mean, I don't want her to win in this situation. Sure, I, sure, I, sure, but sure. I, but I enjoy the character. Right. You know who we don't know? Who? The new five. The fact that Sinister's got 
the last treasure hopes blood to mix in with this team old oda krana the commander bloodroot the bone shaper janus mind flayer and cora of the burning cora. heart we know cora though oh yeah cora is so epic yeah to just know that she has been burning through herself over the last years. yeah 900 years because she wasn't anywhere near like this at year 100. Mm-hmm. And there she is, reborn in all her glory, Ooh. but not quite because she, this is what I think is so interesting, right? Like we don't have a Cerebro backup. Right. So what it's, we're making Storm out of is the memories that that John, Ironfire, and Cora have of her. Yeah, and I think also there's something with genetics that Sinister's bringing. Right, but like, as far as her consciousness goes. No, right. There's no. She doesn't know. She's she a completely know her different. Past life. She doesn't know Essentially a blank slate, but with some highlight reels of other people's memories. Right. And that's really interesting for how it plays out with the use of her powers. And I really like um, what contrast, she says yeah. in, in response to, to Emma a little bit later in the issue. Yeah. He's doing it again. Even after he creates her, at the bottom of this page, smile. he's doing that same devil smile. Because now he's done the thing that you wanted, and now you owe him. Right. And he is not beating around the bush with what he wants. Just the fact like, oh, you know, I want repayment. Don't you think there's something that we could go? Not right now. There's incoming. Yeah. Sorry. Can't because... The enemy is here. I, listen, I like the structure, uh, the information of these data pages. I hate them visually. They hurt my eyes to read. Oh, the slashing through the... No, it's the red and blue. Like, let me tell you a little story about me, everybody. I can't see 3D. Okay, when I was a kid and I went to the thing they do in elementary school where they put the 3D glasses on you. Everybody looks like Paper Mario. And they're like, hey, it's just 2D scrollers. Stop. Left and right. That's not what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) When they're like, which bumblebee is popping out at you? I was like, none of them. What are you talking about? Crazy nurse lady. Can I go to recess now? So when back in the day, when you used to have to wear those glasses where like one lens was red and one lens was blue and you'd go see a, a movie in 3D. Yep. I didn't see the movie in 3D. I just saw a movie with blurry red and blue lines around everything because I can't see. I don't know if it has to do with my lazy eye. I don't know if it's just some some other weird thing, but I can't see it. It doesn't pop out for me. So when I read this, all I can see is the differentiation between the red and blue lines. And if it is supposed to make it look like the words are popping out of the page, instead what I see is blur fuzzy it's fuzzy and it hurts my head to read oh but these chimeras are cool yes high summers do you have a favorite of the four the loud hailer hot claw and sage advisor i don't know the loud hailer is kind of interesting to me just based on who it's made out of yeah it's got a lot of offense and the defense of random Mm mm-hmm and the density, right? That's the one that's also frenzy, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's happening. This page is bananas. The attack has begun. 
Like just seeing these visual designs of everything and the, the diamond ships. Visually, the Hot Claw is the coolest looking one, I think. Like Batman Beyond, but a devil <laughs> Wolverine. The High Summers are just ridiculous looking. Yeah. Now Emma's going to step into this. Mech Emma. Interesting, weird bath that then controls her giant version of herself while she lays in her diamond head. I love the second reference to puns. Mm-hmm. I will literally become a headmistress, mistress mold, to reclaim this idea of the Sentinel's design. You know, we're just embracing the worst that everything is. But she's also like, yeah, unfortunately, I was programmed to love these puns because some idiot put his DNA in me. <laughs> What do you think about this mistress mold? Um, In concept, it's cool, but I don't love it aesthetically. And yeah. like the giant whip, I just don't need that. <laughs> oh, just, just how she reacts to them praying to another goddess. Yeah. Naughty boys. And then whew, I blow your spaceship up with my whip. I whip it. I whip it good. Uh, again, as, as everything's going crazy, everything's going around sinisters, again, asking... You know, we could go to this indestructible fortress that's at the center, right? We could hide there. That'd be safe. With it's got Moira's there. That's that's no worry. Yeah, take me to my lab, please. And And they're like, nah. Shahan said, no. That's not what we're here for. And also, we're not doing that. We, I don't care what you did for us. We're not taking you to your lab, okay? Our entire civilization rests on the idea that we keep the lab from you. Not gonna disgrace my like goddess because you want me to take you there, Sinister. Yeah. There's nothing you can do now. You already created Storm. Get over it. But the concern that he voices and asks to Doombot is something that I was wondering throughout the entire issue. Blonde China also called it out at the end. Where is Moira? Where is Moira throughout this issue? Right. Where'd she go? Where'd she sneak off to? I think it's really interesting knowing that she's here and she's disappeared in all the commotion. After just recently finding out about this Moira Clone machine, of herself. very well, interested that's what in I'm freaking saying she's taking her body back. Yeah, that's what we were talking about last issue. That's what we were talking about. Like, would that be the worst thing that could happen? It's like we've talked about it before in like previous issues, and the idea that like does Moira reset the timeline somehow? Like, does her getting back in her body cause another life of Moira? And when we get to the fall of X, it's like, is she still on the side? Like, is she still on their side, but secretly working for Orcus because she redid everything that got them to Krakoa up to that point. But then now she's going to take them down from the inside. Hmm. I wonder if she would be able to somehow. So if she were the one that reset things. Because like then that makes sense how certain things like in other lives, uh, in other iterations, like. Sinister did the chimeras at different times. So, like, sure. he still could have done chimeras, which is why Rasputin exists in this new timeline and why some of the other mutants are, are there. Or, th- like, you know what I mean? Like, could she reset the timeline and essentially do all the same things for the majority of Krakoa to reset to how it was, but for her to be in a different role? Yeah, I don't know. And would she want to do that? You know, or is she so dead set on she's been stewing for the last thousand years on her hatred of the betrayal of her from Charles Magneto and then all the sinister schemes 
I don't know. I mean, it's not like she'd forget it if she reset it. She's the only one who would remember. Right. And she's got a robot brain or will have a robot brain. Or... No, I'm saying like as her body, like she once she gets back into her human body because Sinister's got a bunch of them floating around, does that create Life 11? I don't know. Or does she somehow take control over the Moira machine and then can create however many lives? It's not a good look. No. Because if she has the Moira machine. Yeah, we're in big trouble. I feel like that's what she was so interested in last issue. Of course. I mean, I. She was like, you got a, bo- you got a body for me? Right. I want that. I don't want to be a robot. I only did this as a last resort. Yeah. Storm. I just. Lighten it up. Can we just, can we just talk about, I'm so glad to have a, a silly, sassy, sinister line at least once. Whatever, you metal-veined hippie. I've got other friends. Look, there's one now. <laughs> Doomba. And then rips his hand off and uses it as a gun. Yep. The battle continues. Storm lights up the sky, gets overcharged with this power, upgraded with Korra's abilities, and the continuing war between the Brotherhood and Emma's forces. And it's not looking good for the Brotherhood. Yeah, it's really not. They are and, killed. And, you know, we're getting we're getting a little bit of that moment where I was talking about earlier where Emma is like, you can't defeat me because you're a baby. Like, maybe the storm that I once knew could defeat me, but you, you know nothing the, of, yeah. of that. You don't have the experience. You don't know how to win. And I love when she says back, yeah, but I don't know how to lose either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, ooh, burn. But then her bringing up, like Storm bringing up to John, like I don't have any experience. I don't, I might have this power and I might be able to tap into this power, but I don't have experience in using it. And right. that is essentially what is her downfall. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what causes her to die at the end of it because right. she uses this intense power as the brotherhood dies all around her and in the system in this fight against the chimera she uses this amazing power to destroy emma's mech and kills herself because of the radiation the effects of right. this great power and then sinister just freaking kills john from sneaking the sneaking up on behind him yeah just bazam takes him out and that's it then we get a little picture of Mother Righteous in our preview for whatever's next. Nightcrawler's number three. The the second to last. The, the I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get in Dominion, where that <sighs> falls. If that's just, if that's a reset, if that, if the Moira gets killed before Dominion. We can't Dominion, think about we're, it. We're just, not going to. That's what I said. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to project I, anything. I have because to. what? We just did a lot with those questions though. Here's, here's the thing. I like this issue because. There are a lot of characters in the Brotherhood that I really respect and like. I'm really into what's happening with John. I I love Cora. And, you know, it's cool to see what Emma has become. It's always great when Storm's around. You get sassy sinister. You know, you you're not expect there's things you're not expecting happening left and right. But for Storm to come back to just die like that that's the part that i feel a little iffy about like i get it but also was it necessary sure well so that was a lot of the conversation that was happening in the book and i think that that's interesting to call attention to that you know cora saying to 
Iron Fire, you're grasping for this this figurehead, this inspiration that you have not needed for the last 900 years. Do you actually need this? Right. Would we be able to do this on our own? Or I think it's Curls that brings up the fact that this is against Aurora's wish to stay dead, that that she removed herself from the resurrection protocols because of this person. I am not afraid of a life that ends. And she does say that again. Right, right. They, they all do. They they keep on saying it, and even. But uh, like as she dies, she says sure, it again right. in this issue. So yeah, I don't know. It's 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 mixed feelings. It's like yeah, do I love an epic storm moment where she's like taking down a big bad with her giant lightning bolts? Yes. Do I love to see her luscious hair flowing in the breeze and the fact that she's naked this entire issue, but we never see anything we shouldn't see? Is that awesome? Yes. Was it crazy for Sinister to be the one to bring? Her back and does that set up that he, you know, he wants something? Yes, but he doesn't need to, like, I think in answering my own question, the point was it got them to a point where all of Sinister's perceived threats are taken out, right? Emma's situation is destroyed. Storm's the Brotherhood situation is destroyed because they destroyed each other and now he can go look for his lab, but essentially his lab is in the middle of their space station, which was destroyed by Emma, but it's supposed it's to, it's the, protected, yeah, right? it's got the force. So field. he can go find his lab, which can take him to the next level and that's essentially what we needed for the story. We needed them to be able to not only have the Brotherhood be defeated, but yeah. for the Brotherhood to also have a tool that would take Emma out of the the running as well. And the only way to do that is Storm. Yeah. It's cool how all of the stories are finally coming together Mm -hmm. as we are starting to wrap up. This year 1000 has just lived in this heightened threat from everyone in a singular or at least more singular narrative, Mm -hmm. more connection points. We'll see what happens with Nightcrawlers. Yep. Am Friedrich says Storm and the Bros. I mean, gut-wrenching. Although kind of odd that Ewing would bring back Storm just to have her die again. Are the Nightcrawlers going to heist the Moira clones? Ooh. That's interesting. The Nightcrawlers, are they still alive? Is Mother Righteous going to do it? That's what I had been calling, but then I just... Well, it's like, you know Mother Righteous has Rasputin, and then Rasputin is going to come for Sinister, and something, something's going to happen. We'll see. But I'm not speculating. <laughs> Blanchina said that as Sinister... As Sins of Sinister ends, I'm glad to see Sinister's true colors emerge. His sarcasm especially. Yes. I love his sarcasm. Where did Moira sneak off to? Because that's that's exactly what we were talking about yeah. earlier. Where is she? Guess this kind of confirmed that Righteous was the one that reached out to Rasputin just because everything with mm-hmm. Emma. I was wrong. I'll admit it. Yeah, you can't wait to see how it wraps up. And doesn't want to, you know, I, I like the idea of not speculating, but also know that I'm speculating in my mind <laughs> and have been dropping hints towards my speculation and my questions and conversations. What is your speculation? You don't want to know, apparently. Yes, you- I do. I'm saying I don't want to try to like sit here and pull it apart. Like I want to be surprised, but that's not me saying I don't want to hear what you have to say. All right. So our main players going into this final are Mother Righteous, Moira, and Rasputin. Mm-hmm. And I think that Rasputin and Mother Righteous are aligned from that hint previously. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
Moira being taken off the board after being charged with new information, like her arc is going across this year 1000. Like, I'm, I'm just curious. You don't set both of those pieces up to not. And to think of the fact that Rasputin was a part of Moira's first approach to Charles, the the woman, or the the lost metamorph with her foot between, between two, worlds. two worlds. Right. So that just feels like they are where's the ultimate house back of X to back. Book? Where's my house of X? Where's my where's my book? It's downstairs in a box, probably. I want to like revisit those three cards so hard right now, because Nightcrawler's on one of them too. The Cardinal, not Nightcrawler, but yeah. Right. Who was the third one? Come on, Memory Man. It's the Babel Spire. Oh, the Tower, right? A lost religion, a tower that brings destruction, and the woman with a foot between two A lost two religion, a.k.a. the spark. Basically. And all of this is going to bring down Orcus on them. Maybe. Oh, my God. Rasputin. Okay, but so you're saying, so those are the, the key players, but what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I don't, I don't necessarily know that. I mean, I feel like... Oh, I thought you were gonna say. I think like, Moira's gonna go for it, and Rasputin hopefully will stop her. If if I had to make a prediction as to what happened, I, I'm just thinking if I needed to project into the next steps of what would happen, those are the key players that have been left on the board. Doombot's done. Sinister is in the mix somewhere, so he's another force that's there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Vanarino said Storm and the Bros wondering why she was brought back to have been blown up again and die my heart can't take this but also her last words about experience are so good and highlight proper storm even further mm-hmm. yeah just being able to bring all like that, that her, she is her soul is still within her yeah many mkm said that storm really made me question the point of sins of sinister even more like i'm in it now so i'll finish it, but eh it's interesting because we're lost in this future projection of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the point of this, it, I think oftentimes when we talk about the point of something, we ask, what's the bigger ramification on the world? How does mm-hmm. this affect larger story points? And I think it's got to be the reset or, or how we shake through the reset or what information comes through. It, it was always just a fun romp through right. whatever happens to Sinister once he gets his like way a, and it goes out of control. Like an actual just like what if right. shoot off. A yeah. what if nine issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I enjoyed it along the way. Yeah, me too. I had already said everybody else's throughout the conversation, but yeah, that was. It's crazy. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm really excited for the next issue. Nightcrawlers that we'll get next week. Yes. Do you know what else we'll get? Uh, no. We got a bunch. Extreme X-Men number five, the final issue. The Excellent number two. Uh-huh. Bishop War College number three. Okay. X-Force number 39. Ooh, okay. New Mutants Lethal Legion number two. And of course, Nightcrawlers number three, like I said. Ooh, baby. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big one. It's a good week, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of destruction, a lot of fighting, a lot of, a lot of difficult, lot of yeah, a lot of difficult conversations, a lot of mm. backstabbing. Mm. You think Scott and Gene will be all right? Don't know. You don't care. Don't care. <laughs> Just kidding. I care. I think I feel like they'll be all right. I feel like, 
listen, if you're going to do fall of X and you're going to you're going to destroy potentially destroy what we know of Krakoa and you're going to you're going to take down Charles Xavier and you're going to do all these things to explode the whole world. You're going to put everyone in danger. You're going to rip up teams. You're going to make Nightcrawler be the freaking Spider-Man. You're not going to also break up Scott and Jean. Yeah. That's too much for people's hearts to handle. Too much falling. Yeah. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles all by himself. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>